0: see everybody today. Uh, welcome. If, uh, if this is your first time here, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor and uh, we're just excited that we can get together and we can gather and uh, and we can worship the Lord. And uh, boy, just a, a great worship set. And we've got an amazing uh, summer ahead of us with, uh, with the cookout happening on the 30th. I hope you're all excited for that. I am. Uh, for sure. It's going to be great. Uh, a few quick uh, announcements slash reminders in addition to, to what Jill was telling us there, um, just to let everybody know about. If you ordered a Mission Akron shirt, uh, those are the, um, the new black 2021 Mission Akron shirts. They are uh, here and available for you to pick up at the orange wall. Uh, if you have not picked that up yet, you can certainly do that after the service. Uh, and then um, just a reminder that our next uh, milestone for our More Than a Building uh, project with the new uh, the new multi-purpose uh, center that we're gonna be building out there, um, the next milestone for the next 350,000 that we need as we're continuing to move toward that, uh, that's coming up on June 1st. So I just wanna uh, continue to not only say thank you uh, for your unbelievable support and, and faithfulness there, um, but that uh, we still have uh, a ways to go there and that no, we do not have our building permits yet. Um, I'm looking forward to the day when I can stand up here and tell you that we do, um, but I uh, I'm not even going to attempt to give you a, a, a timeline on that because we just don't know right this minute. Um, we're just kind of waiting to hear. Uh, but uh, but things are in process and and moving that direction um, as well. So just keep praying about that if you could. Um, we would definitely uh, appreciate that because it's going to be in God's timing, not ours. That's for darn sure. So uh, so let's pray and uh, and we'll get into uh, to the message today. Father, thank you so much for your love, and thank you for your, uh, your grace and your mercy. Lord, I just thank you that we have the, uh, the ability to come together and worship. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you that, uh, that we can gather together here in person as well as online. Uh, Lord, and, and we, can, uh, we can praise your name and we can lift you up. Lord, thank you that we can also give as part of our worship to you, Lord, and I pray that you would bless uh, every penny that is given. Lord, we do just pray collectively for, for the building permits and such that we need to continue moving forward with, uh, with the multi-purpose center. God, I know that that's going to be in your time. Uh, so Lord, I just pray that, uh, that things would continue to move forward there. As we dive into your word today, God, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to what you have for us. Lord, comfort those that need it, encourage those that need it, Lord, and just remind us of your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are talking about how God loves us. Uh, talking about how he loves and the various ways that God loves us. And God is love is one of the best definitions of God is just that God is is love. And, and the truth of that spreads to so much of, of our walk and so much of our relationship with him and every aspect of our faith and, and growing in our understanding of that really helps us more as, as we are uh, growing as children of, of God. And so we're looking at biblical imagery that is uh, describing God's love for his people. Last week, we talked about a mother's love, and we looked at the aspects of motherly love that are very much um, characteristics of God as well. And while that sounds weird, um, there's also a, a lot of truth in that as we unpacked that last week. But we can learn how to embrace the love of God by learning more and understanding more about his love for us because there are a lot of people... That struggle with accepting and embracing the love of God, we get wrapped up in the uh, the things that we've done or haven't done. We disqualify ourselves um, to God's love, and, and we forget our value. And more specifically, we forget our value to God. And remembering that you matter, each and every one of us matter, and that's that's a, a great uh, a great thing to remember as we look at the love of God, and and you matter so much to him that there is no limit to the love of God for you, which is, which is why he gave everything for you. He sacrificed himself and gave everything for you because he loves you so much. And so I want to start with a, a question today that may be a little bit divisive, and it may be a question that you end up talking about with your family this afternoon, and it may be something that you maybe completely disagree with me on here. And, and so it, it's something that I think we all probably have an opinion on. And so here's the question. Who is or was the best dad ever on TV? Who was the best dad on TV? You can feel free to talk to the person next to you about who you think this might be for just a quick second and see. Because everybody has an opinion on this and I specifically have an opinion on this as well, and I know um, that some of this is generational, right? Some, some of it might be, I'll tell you in just a second, some of this might be generational in terms of when you grew up and, and what you were watching at the time um, and all of that. I happen to agree with the choice that was made by GQ readers in 2014 who voted that Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air is the, thank you, right? Wow. Um, is, is, is the best dad on TV of all time. And again, I like, listen, I understand that I'm going to get a dissertation from my dad after church today about why it should be Andy Griffith. Okay. And yeah, see, some people are like, wow, see, this is divisive. I told you, right? We've, we've all got an opinion on this. Um, for, for me, it, it would be Uncle Phil. This is exactly who I would pick, um, again, because of, you know, growing up in, in the era in which I did, but also just the way in which not only was his character a father to those on the show on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but in the way that he was also kind of an, an adoptive father to, to Will's character, to Will Smith on, on the show. But and there, there were so many, like, really cool life lessons that were very practical from him um, to his kids on the show. Uh, and, and it was very much timely for me as well in, in watching it. But I will say this. James Avery, the guy that played Uncle Phil on the show, he was very much not just a dad on TV. He was a father to the entire cast. Uh, there was a reunion of, of the show that was uh, 20 years, which made me feel old, um, that the show had been on, and, um, and Will Smith got the entire cast together, and uh, James Avery passed away a few years ago, and the whole cast sat there and watched this little montage of Uncle Phil, and they were all just bawling, and just a mess, because not only did they love the man, but he was very much a father to them, offset as well. In fact, Will Smith would even tell you that he owes a, a much of his acting career to James Avery, who literally took him under his wing. Will hadn't acted a day in his life when the show started, and James Avery, like a dad, took him under his wing and just loved him and, and taught him, and, but, but also just treated him like one of his own, and, and that fatherly love that was there made the character of Uncle Phil uh, even, even more so, because it, it really started to come through. You could see the camaraderie on the show. There's a quote that, uh, that uh, is from an author named Joel Aikenbach, and he writes this about fathers. It says, a dad is supposed to be there for the heavy lift. He's the first to arrive and the last to go in crunch time. His support has no waiver in it. There is no ambiguity, ambiguity about his feelings. He believes in the child to the point that he will let go and trust the child to make a good decision. He's not overprotective or meddling. He's rational about likely risks and calms unnecessary fears. He somehow makes the world less scary. A good father is somehow just there, always. A reassuring presence, even when he's not there anymore because of the rules of mortality, and all you can do is hear his voice in your head. That's very much how Uncle Phil was on the show. And all of that sounds uh, great in terms of all of the things that, that a father, I guess, should be. But practically, this sounds like such a great explanation of how God loves us, doesn't it? Like a father, because God the Father, he is our father. And not the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God loves like a father, because he is our father. He is our father in more ways than we can really understand or will probably ever really understand. But we confuse the way that God loves us many times because we have this misconception of what what he should do or shouldn't do, how much he maybe should be involved or shouldn't be involved, what his role should be or shouldn't be, a lot like how we view our dad sometimes here now. On earth. And the difference is, though, that God's presence is always there. God's presence is always there. It's always there. So let me ask you this Do you remember a time, speaking of His presence always being there, do you remember a time maybe in your life growing up where you were in the middle of doing something that you shouldn't and you could almost feel the presence of God or, or of your dad? not also of God, but you could almost feel the presence of your dad right there. Like you're doing something, you know, you shouldn't be doing it. And it almost feels like he's just standing there watching you. And you're like, you can like almost feel like the looking over your shoulder kind of thing. I think we've all probably been in, in that place. And, you know, you maybe even hear his voice in your head. I know I've been there a couple of times. Let me just say that was God's idea. That was God's idea because we should always hear the echoes of our father's voice in our head. We should always feel His presence because God loves like a father. We should—I uh, I would hope that we would always feel that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 today. Whether you want to follow along in the Bible app or in a physical Bible. Um, you can look up Connect Church on, uh, on the Bible app and, and events. Look for Connect Church in Akron, Ohio, and you can follow along with me there. And we're going to look at the story of the prodigal son, story of the prodigal son. And the word prodigal actually means wasteful. Um, that's really what the word means. And while this may be a familiar story to a lot of us, because we've heard this and we've heard versions of this and versions of this story have even been used in in films and television and and stuff, whether you realize at the root of some of those stories uh, really kind of goes back to this. Um, But this story, I I hope you can maybe look at with fresh eyes a little bit today in terms of God's love for us uh, and understanding that. Because a prodigal son, the wasteful son, is saying, essentially, I want goods from you. I want these things. I want this stuff. I have this entitlement mentality. I want this stuff, and I'm owed this, but I don't want the relationship. I want this stuff, but, I, but not the relationship. Yet the father loves him anyway. The father loves him anyway. And we were all that kid before we opened our hearts to Jesus, were we not? In many ways, we were all that kid. And so this story is a parable, uh, or an illustration is maybe another way to look at it. This is not, um, this is not a historical event. Um, this is a story that Jesus told. A parable is a story with a lesson, essentially, is a way to look at it. And so Jesus tells this story that has, um, you know, roots in, in culture, if you will, but these aren't actual, like, real-life characters. He's using this story uh, to teach a lesson. So read with me, if you will. We're in Luke chapter 15, uh, and I'm going to uh, be beginning in verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent Everything. let me say this, pig slop never satisfies. Pig slop never satisfies, whether it's through career, whether it's through money, whether it's through stuff, whether it's through toys, hobbies, addictions, we all end up trying to fill the, the void in our life that should be filled with the love of the Father with pig slop, and it never satisfies The pig slop of this world never satisfies. If you're trying to find fulfillment apart from the Father with all of that stuff, you will thirst again because it's never going to satisfy. But instead, what we do is we try to earn it. We try to earn it or we try to make up for it. Let's continue reading here. In verse 15, or 18, I'm sorry says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So I want you to look at this, at this phrase that's here that, it, that he says, I have sinned. He's, he's coming to this place where he's starting to rehearse in his head what he's going to say. We've probably all been there where we, where we know we're going to have to have maybe a tough conversation, but, but he, he is down to rock bottom, and now he's starting to rehearse what he's going to say. And notice what he's not saying, okay? Notice the things that he's not saying. What he is saying is he's coming to this place in, of humility and saying, I have sinned. Now, there are eight times in Scripture where someone has come to this realization, if you will, because of the events and circumstances in their life, and they've said these words, I have sinned eight different times in scripture. Four of these times were by Pharaoh, Balaam, Saul, and Judas. And in those four times, nothing changed. Their circumstances didn't change. Nothing changed other than they just acknowledged that this was a thing. But there was no change in direction. There was no change in what they were doing. They just said, this is what it is. But then there are four more times. Job, Achan, David, and the prodigal son. And in those four, they repented. They changed direction. They went back to the father. They started from a place of, I'm gonna go back to the father first. And that was the priority. That was the first thing that they did. You see, it's not enough to just say it. We can say it all day. We can stand there and say it, or text it, or post it, or you fill in that blank there. We can stand there and say it all day, but we need to change direction and actually head toward the father. Look at verse 20. It says this, very simple statement. So he got up and went to his father. He didn't just continue laying there in the pig pen and in the pig slop. He actually moved. He got up and went to his father. In his clear thinking that it took him clearly a while to get to, he's thinking clearly and, and he didn't think, how can I improve my conditions? He didn't think, well, let me get a mop and mop up this pig pen here and I'll at least be a little more comfortable in the pig slop. He didn't try to do that. He didn't blame his father. He didn't blame his brother. He didn't blame his friends or his boss or the pigs. He recognized the misery that he was in. Absolutely, he did, but he didn't focus on it. What he did was he started focusing on his father. He focused on his father. Let's keep reading here. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him, the son said to him, and here he goes, he starts, rehe- he starts going with his speech that he rehearsed, right? Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, they didn't, Jesus didn't even give him time to finish his speech there, right? Or, Or the father didn't, I'm sorry. But here's the deal. The son had to come through the village. He had to come to his home. He had to come past probably different people, different places on his way back to the father. But he came back to the father. That was his focus. When the son returned to the father, he also did have to come past all of those things, but he wasn't focused on them. He didn't care because he was coming back to his father. His focus was on returning to his father. His focus wasn't on all the other stuff that I'm going to pass or the people that are going to see me or that are going to have a judgmental um, attitude about me or what is this person going to think. I mean, we, we don't even see here if, if he cl- uh, clearly he didn't clean himself up. He was still probably a mess when he got there. He was expecting punishment or worse when he arrived. But you know what? God's love is so much bigger than that. God's love is, is so much bigger than that. There is, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And right here, we see biblical proof of that. Let's keep reading. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother, he became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Think about this for a second. What if the prodigal son when he came home, what if he was welcomed home by his self-righteous older brother instead of the father? How much different would, would this story play out? What if when he came and he saw his house and he's coming down the road and he sees his house, instead of his father who sprinted toward him, instead he sees his brother, is bitter and self-righteous you know a lot of people have been greeted by that guy in life a self-righteous christian who maybe think that they can't go home to the father and then they try to and they get greeted by that brother instead and this is a tough tough thing to hear but it makes people think that their forgiveness and, and the mercy of God are too big for them. They end up turning, going right back to the pig pen because at least they were welcome there. Here's the deal, guys. We are all prodigals in many ways. We're all prodigals. We're all wasteful of the riches of God. We're all wasteful of what God has given us. A younger brother, older brother alike, we all fall into this category occasionally. And just like with the father in the parable, the fatherly love of God, it is not earned by the good deeds or lost because of failure. Hear that. The love of God is not earned by good deeds or lost because of failure. If that were the case, none of us, none of us would have the love of God. Because God's love is wholly dependent on who he is. The love of God is wholly dependent on who he is, not who you are not. Hear that. Who he is matters so much more. That is how we need to come back to God, to come back to him first and foremost before we even, quote, come back to church, before we come back to our Christian friends, if, if, if you're potentially watching online or here and you're, and you're feeling distant and all of that, can I, can, I just, can I just say, come back to the Father first. Don't worry about the older brother. Come back to the Father first because God's love for you is wholly dependent on who he is. It's who he is. This prepared speech that he had for the father, the son showed a complete sense of unworthiness, honest confession of sin. He was at rock bottom. He wouldn't even ask to be treated as a son, just a hired servant. See, God doesn't say to the foolish, you idiot. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say to the one that's abused, you need to grow up. To the one who's in rebellion, he doesn't say you're getting what you deserve. That's not God. That's not God. No, he runs to meet all three equally. He runs to meet them at the moment that they turn towards him. That's is the God that we serve. That is our Father. That is who he is. And don't you forget it. Regardless of where you are in your circumstance right now, that is who he is. So the connection point for the morning is this. Our Heavenly Father doesn't ask us to earn his love. He doesn't ask us to earn his love. He gives it to us through his grace. He gives it to us through his grace. I think we need reminded of this because we keep falling back into thinking that we don't deserve it. And and you know what, we don't, we don't deserve it. We keep falling back into thinking that we have to earn it is what I should have said. And no, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's grace. Best way to describe grace you've probably heard before, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because of what Jesus did for us, we can have the riches of God, meaning forgiveness of sin, eternity with him. Because of what Jesus did for you and me. It's undeserved favor. God's riches at Christ's expense. God does not ask us to earn his love. We receive it through his grace, but we have to receive it. The work of Jesus in our life can be transformative. We can also share that with others that need to hear it because God wants to use you and me to share his love with others the same gracious love that we've received from God, there is a world out there that needs to hear it. There's a city that we're planted in right now that needs to hear it. There are people that you're gonna come in contact with in the next 24 hours that need to hear it, and they really need to hear it. It might be the only thing they really need to hear right now. It's something we can build our lives on. Bow your head. God loves us like a father because He is our Father. And He doesn't ask us to earn it because we can't. We certainly don't deserve it, but He loves us anyway, and He is running. To you. But you have to start walking toward him. Wherever you're at in your life right now, I don't know what's going on with each and every person here, but I fail to believe that there's not somebody here or watching online, both, that feel like they're completely disqualified and that the love of God is, is not for them. Can I just say that the love of God is certainly for you. Without a doubt, he loves you so much. He's waiting for you to change direction and run to him. To not worry about cleaning yourself up, to not worry about who else you might pass, whatever village you gotta go through, whatever older brother that might be rubbing you the wrong way as you're going through. You need to run right to the Father. Because the love of God is there for you. You just have to, you have to make the decision to go toward it. Father, I thank you so much that we can call you Father. I thank you so much that, that we can come to you at any time. Lord, I thank you that we know that you're always there, that your presence is always with us. God, your love is not something that we can earn. It is not something that we deserve. Lord, you give it to us anyway. Help us to put aside the things that are keeping us from you and to just fall into your arms. Lord, it's something we can build our life on. Some of us maybe need to rebuild where we were. I pray that we would do that as we make make these decisions today. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that, that doesn't really have the love, feel like they've, they've had the love from you that, that they can get, Lord, I pray that today they, they might make that decision. That they would come running to you and, and get that relationship with you right. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.